welcome to Wine Road, the wine, when, and where of Northern Sonoma County. I'm your host, Marcy Gordon, with Beth Costa, Executive Director of the Wine Road. Once again, our show is on the air through the generosity and support of Ron Rubin Winery. Ron Rubin specializes in Russian River Valley Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, wines that to me truly capture the essence of the region. Check out their website at ronrubinwinery.com. Welcome to Wine Road, Episode 171. Today, our guest is Jim Ricards of J. Ricards Winery. He's the owner and winemaker, and he's brought us a beautiful wine. Welcome, Jim. Thank you. Happy to be here. It's great to see you. What is the wine that we're going to be sipping here? Actually, the, the wine is, is, is really cool. It's our um, reserve Old Vine Zinfandel. This is out of our vineyard that was planted in 1908 by Rosa Brignoli. Oh my gosh, 1908. So tell us, uh, where is your winery located? Um, we are approximately uh, uh, two miles north of Geyserville in the Alexander Valley. Um, oh man, that was delicious. Oh my gosh, I said it, now I'm going to pick it up again. You know, <laughs> This is a very interesting Zinfandel because it's it has such a, a lyrical quality. Well, the part of it also is this, and this is really, you got to understand, you know, I said the vineyard was planted in 1908, right? Well, you guys are thinking, oh, that's a long time ago. But what you're not considering is the vineyard was planted before the Industrial Revolution. The tractors in those days were called horses. (laughs) Exactly. And (laughs) the deal there is that how do you mix and blend wine when pumps weren't invented yet? Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, Rosie Rosa um, did it this way, and this was typical of the day. Have you heard the term field blend? Oh, yes, right. of mm-hmm. course. Okay, well, this is where how it comes from. Rosa decided on the kind of wine she wanted to make, the wine style, and then the um, blending grapes that she would want in that wine, and then planted them all together, all mixed up, so as you get as you pick the vineyard, you get the blend. Right. And when you're tasting this wine, think of it this way. This is what Rosa thought was a good drink of wine in 1908. It's the real deal. It's so still really a good drink of so, wine. It, but it's labeled Zinfandel? Yeah. Or, it's, okay. it, the, the reason for that is, well, there's 80% Zin in it. Okay. Okay. There is 10% Petit Syrah, I was ask. 5% Carignan, 2% Mataro, 1% Alicante Boucher, Muscat Canelli and Chasselis. Oh my lord. Chasselis. That is a blend. And, wow. <laughs> and you know the really cool thing is that they were, you know, I, I hear all the time, well, you can you really taste, you know, one percent? The answer is yeah, you can. Mm-hmm. If you're making soup and you put a little pinch of something in there, can't you taste it? And and yeah. I was gonna ask if there was like petite syrah because there's that kind of grip to it, but I think maybe the chasalas is that lightness I taste, that kind of bright note. Well, the thing is maybe, likely not. The bright notes you're tasting, I think, are related to sight. Hmm. The Alexander Valley is not uh is 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 a really amazing place to grow wine grapes. Alexander Valley is a long, narrow valley. With a river running through it. Right. It's the only uh, AVA that's an open-ended valley on both ends. Mm-hmm. So um, the influences of the Russian River are just absolutely major. And we get some of the highest dineural temperature changes anywhere. It can be 100 degrees at 
the day and at night get down to 50 degrees. Right. Amazing. And, and that yeah. fog in the morning, uh, you know, when I'm going, to, I've started going to school, but I'm actually going to work. <laughs> but but the thing is, is that that brightness you're tasting, our characteristic of Zinfandel in the Alexander Valley tends to be brighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, raspberry, boysenberry, yeah, bright really fruit. Yeah, really raspberry. If you take it over, and the aromatics are, are you know, you get the, a, a cooking spice, sweet spice. And it's it, just lovely. And, well, you take that over the hill, over to Dry Creek next door, and you're getting peppery. Right. That bright Those fruit turns into jammy characteristics. Right, yeah. with the heat. and They're a little hotter than we yeah. are. Yeah, it's amazing. Our little microclimates and how our valleys are situated, that's what makes this such a great region to visit because you're tasting truly place in each region you go that's to. That's absolutely, absolutely right. And the other thing that makes this special is, is this, is and why it's a reserve. You know, people ask me all the time, what kind of wine, what's your favorite wine? And obviously... It's the wine in my glass. I was going to say, whatever <laughs> I'm drinking. That's right. <laughs> but the fact is, is, is if you want to know what my taste is, what this is, this is a barrel select reserve. Uh, Blaine and I sit down and we taste through all the barrels of the old vine Zin that comes out of that block. And we choose typically around 10 barrels. And then over the course of the year, we winnow that down. So you're tasting what we think is our flavor. Like right. the best of the best. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That is delicious. I am going to probably have to swing by later today, <laughs> pick up a couple bottles of that. I mean, it is seriously a great yeah. Zinfandel. It's yeah. beautiful. I have a question about the label. This is such an iconic, It's is this a brand from a family ranching brand? Because uh, it looks very... The answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you have to know a little bit about my background. Um, well, that's why we're here. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I was um, born and raised in San Francisco, city kid all my life, um, but I always knew I wanted to be a farmer. And when I got out of the military in 69, 1969, I did three things. I grew my hair, grew my mustache, <laughs> moved out of Dodge, came up here in the Sonoma County and did kind of the, the back to land, hippie back to the land kind of uh, concept. And... Um, well, all kids, all city kids know milk comes from Safeway, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, I thought I could get in the cattle business because cows were just big pets and they walked around and took oh, care of themselves. Yeah. Oh, brother. <laughs> oh, brother, yeah. I never had a day off for five years. <laughs> however, the however part of, is that that brand is that brand, my registered cattle brand. Awesome. Um, from those days. I never knew that. Well, I yes. mean, I've been there a lot to the winery. I've heard lots of stories. That's a new one for me. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so when when I bought my property up there, um, I was actually looking for a, a ranch to bring my cattle to. I wasn't interested in grape growing. Mm-hmm. And then what happened? Well, I could afford it for two reasons, the property. Reason number one, it was considered a crappy place to grow grapes. Mm. Yeah, and it still is based on the paradigm of the day. Because in 1976, you had two flavors, red and white, and it came in gallon jugs. (laughs) It was about bulk winemaking and bulk grape growing. If you weren't growing a lot. Right. Wasn't going to pencil out. Yeah. 
And, and the old vineyard was only producing about a half a ton to the acre and largely abandoned. The other reason, there were no buildings there. My kids and I lived outside in a tent for a year. I, I think that's just uh, phenomenal. I mean, did people hear that? Say that again. <laughs> <laughs> we did. Uh, yeah, we lived outside a year while I built a house and worked nights. I mean, that is a lot. I mean, if, if you're a little enough kid, you might think that's great. I, I don't no, know. No, no, no. <laughs> Even you know, littler kids. Well, the amazing thing is my kids, my kids still talk to yeah, me. Yeah, I was, like, <laughs> was going to ask that, but I thought that was too yeah, delicate hasn't, a question. hasn't seen his children in years. <laughs> Didn't know how that went, but yes. Well, that what an amazing experience. So anyways, um, if you'll remember, well, in 1976-77 was a very severe drought. Actually, it's much worse than that current drought of the last couple right. of years. And it was that's the drought they compare it to. Right. And, well, no grass to feed the cows. Uh-huh. So bye-bye cows. Wow. And um, then I had this curious old Vin- Zinfandel vineyard that I needed to kind of learn and take care of because I still wanted to be a farmer. Mm-hmm. That was already on the property? Yep. Okay. Oh, yeah. That was oh, yeah, the one. The 18. Yes, of course. Yeah. 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 And so I rehabbed it, and um, it's doing well. It's, it's doing well, uh, obviously. <laughs> I think that's an understatement. Coming along. Yeah. Is, is, there, is there a metric, are old vines produce more concentrated juice, or is that a, a myth? That's a lie, actually. That, that's, that is, is the idea here is, well, old vines produce less, so therefore it's better. More intense. Yeah, more. concentrated. Okay, now. The reason why they produce less is because nobody ever repleted what you take out. Hmm. Oh, okay. You know, don't right. forget, you know, right. you pull in out grapes every right. year, every year, every year. Right. You're pulling out uh, nitrogen, um, uh, calcium, mm-hmm. potassium, all these minerals and nutrients that you're never putting back. Right. And so, of course, I mean, how many people you know have a fruit tree in their backyard they never take care of, and they get three apples? Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's a very good point. And so what happens is those old vineyards become nutritionally deficient. And you're going to have to explain to me why those nutritionally deficient grapes are better than those that aren't. Right. And they're really not. Right. Okay. And in, like I said, the old vineyard was producing about half a ton to the acre. Now it's doing about two and a half to three tons to the acre. Wow. Why? I repleted things I back. Say it's I a gave cover crop back. and the other, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, no, I, I buy 300 tons, yeah. 300 tons of compost a year yeah. to mm-hmm. add to the compost that I make from our winery operations. Right. Before we started recording, you said that there was you always had three rules when people came up to the winery. <laughs> so I thought that yes. was worth repeating. What I are those three those rules? Again. Yeah, yeah. I have three rules. Um, rule number one is we're tasting, not drinking. That means it's perfectly okay to uh, dump any untasted portions of wine. Um, mostly because, you know, if you don't, in the course of tasting through other wineries today, you're going to be flat on your backside. Right. And um, saying, "Mother, this is not Kansas anymore." Right. <laughs> and more important, more importantly, I want you to remember me. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Okay. Rule number two is drink lots of water. 
okay. you know, stay hydrated. Our area is really quite uh, low in humidity. Mm-hmm. And so being hydrated is very important. And there's benefits. That is, wine country has some of the most grandiose bathrooms you ever want to go to. <laughs> So our biggest selling point for tourism, <laughs> come for the wine, stay for stay the beautiful for the bathrooms. bathrooms. <laughs> well, well, except for mine. Mine's pretty yeah. ordinary. But other ones are really worth the trip. Okay? Number three, and the most important rule, yeah. is never ask Jim a question unless you're expecting a 20-minute answer. <laughs> See, you guys are already in this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, asking me too many questions already. That's so true. But this was a... Uh... This is the whole purpose is to ask you questions. <laughs> so I, I've been impressed, um, you know, when everything shut down in COVID, people, uh, wineries really jumped on board with doing virtual events and trying to do Facebook Live. And and some of them, you know, really fine-tuned it and got it better and better. And by now, a lot of them have stopped doing that. But you really have uh, mastered it. I think you do an amazing job. I mean, I feel like I've seen and heard it all, but I actually personally <laughs> watch a lot of yours. So what, um, what's the schedule and what's the plan there Well, we, we do uh, a, faith, a Facebook Live presentation um, once a week. And generally, you know, there's some wine things we talk about. Um, we also do some food and wine things, but mm-hmm. mostly has to do with, you know, uh, uh, farming, grape growing. Um, this Thursday is going to be on mulching. I yes, was telling, right. I was telling you earlier. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're we don't mow. We use we mulch, and what that means is we have a special kind of mower that actually grinds up the grass and also all the canes and everything. Yeah, so the canes are like after they've gone through all the vineyards and pruned everything, and yep. that's all laying in the ground. It's you think, what are you going to do with all that? Yeah, and w- that all is all ground up into mulch. That's our first step, and mulching systems are really fascinating um, because a lot of people think that you know. Uh, and tilling in nutrients is what you need to do. Well, mulching is a, an entirely different concept. And what it does is you lay these products, products, you know, compost, whatever, mm-hmm. um, on the surface. And all the creatures that live in the soil come out and eat it and then poop it into the soil in a very usable fashion. Right. Mm-hmm. And the stuff disappears. It's just pretty amazing how um, we're mulching now. Come up to see us in June, and you'll look at the rows, and all that stuff will be gone. Does it help with moisture retention as well? Oh, or? absolutely. Yeah. Carbon si- sequestration. Mm-hmm. I love that the, word. Is, I use that all the is, time. Is the, word, is the, 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 the buzzword of the day. But it helps all those kind of things. It helps uh, prevent uh, runoff. Uh, and erosion. 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 You know, and, and the interesting thing is, is that focusing back on the old vineyard, over the course of the 100 years that it was plowed every year and cultivated here, it had lost almost a foot of topsoil. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, when I when I came there, many of the the vines were tipping over because their roots wow, were exposed. Yeah, they're so grown. Yeah, uh, it's you know dirt. Uh, when you farm the hillside, dirt wants to go down, and it was one of my things. Is that you know I I saw this and I I I thought you got to remember, you know that that in those days, 
uh, I wasn't born to the business, and so I did a lot of goofy things. You have to figure it out as you go, right? Sort of. And, but I took classes at right. one of the most preeminent uh, viticultural classes in the in the U.S., and that it was Sonoma, Santa Rosa JC had and still does. It's has an amazing a, program. A, a, amazing, mm-hmm. preeminent program. And I took classes there. So I can't just say I did it all. But but the point is, I did a lot of goofy things. And one of the things I decided to do was plant um, cover crop. Yeah. And and I was one of the first to do it mm-hmm. in Sonoma County. The other guy was named Jim Hill. And we did it actually the same year. Um, but I figured, you know, he's a better grower than I am, so he gets first. <laughs> but what I did was I planted, in those days, um, you know, I went to the Ag, uh, County Ag Commission's office and I said, well, what should I, grass should I plant in my vineyard? And they said, uh, uh, we can't give you a recommendation because it's not a standard practice. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And I said, well, I'm a big boy. We've and, come a long way. <laughs> yeah, we sure have. Uh-huh. And, you know, we you remember that's 45 years yeah. ago about. And... And I said, well, and I'm a big boy. I get, I know what cattle eat. So I, <laughs> I, I figured out, you know, I, I would plant a um, pasture mix. Mm-hmm. Went down to LaBallister Seed. In at that time, he was in Sebastopol, mm-hmm. and uh, and I said, well, I want a pasture mix. I want to add in uh, mustard, and I want to add in wild mustard and wild radish. It's the root design that's mm-hmm. the important thing there. And I want to add some native grasses like um, uh, a California ryegrass and a few others. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, I want legumes, um, a rose, crimson, and star clover. I also want subclover, which is actually a relic of the peanut. And uh, and I said, you know, how about that? And the guy and and he said, oh, I see what you're kind of trying to do. And he says. Uh, you know, I've got some uh, wildflower mix left over from a previous order. We could mix that in. And I gave you a deal. Huh? Well, I like deals. Right. And so uh, we did it. And that's what we started. And we started down this curious road. And um, the very next year, I'm waist high in grass. Yeah, I mean, that's and, a lot. And, uh, right. and, all, and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, oh. My gosh, what do what I do, I do now? now? <laughs> you can't plow that in. You can't yeah. disc it in. Yeah. It forms these enormous big balls. Right. And, and I figured, oh, gosh, gee. Uh, oh, okay, I'll, I'll rent a mower. I, and I actually rented a you know, garden tractor mower and mowed it all. Yeah. And it took me two weeks to mow it. And, well, I'm heading down that sustainable road all of a sudden. I've reduced my carbon input because now I'm not plowing for Right. Uh, a month, right. two weeks of mowing. And it's like, wow. Uh, I didn't think of it that way because that wasn't invented yet. Right. No one knew about that. <laughs> no, yeah. But it would all sound right to me. Now, my neighbors, on the other hand, said, oh, you should not do that. Huh. Um, you know, you'll, you'll, the, the bad bugs will just eat you alive. And every year it was, you know, you, the grasshopper's going to get you because you got grass, right? Right. <laughs> and, and then it was, and the last very argument was uh, the pinch bugs would come out and eat the, 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 the grape flowers. And, of course, none of that ever happened. Wow. And what happened, though, was curious, is that I noticed that the bad bugs started to disappear. 
There's did did they go to the neighbors? <laughs> the good bad, the good bugs no. ate the bad bugs. <laughs> well, here's what yeah. happened. This is this is we know the science of what happened now, and the deal there is that it's it's the theory of companion planting. Right. It, it really is, and how it works. Basically, all these flowering plants that I had planted in my cover crop, they bloom from about February till about. Uh, Uh, June or so, when it gets dry. Mm -hmm. Well, what I'm doing is I'm feeding the pollinating insects. Mm -hmm. They have lots of babies and multiple generations, yes? Right. Well, if I'm feeding them, I'm also feeding their predators, aren't I? Mm. Ladybugs, spotted thrips, minute pipes, spiders, um, uh, lacewings. All these creatures now have plenty to eat also, don't they? So... And multiple generations. And so when everything dries up in the understory and the pollinators leave, what happens next is that the predators move out of the understory and into the upper story and eat my bad guys. So it's like wow. a perfect closed loop. Yeah. It sort of is. And, 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 and be honest with you, you know, since I started doing it in, in 77, I think it was, um, you know, I I noticed the bad bug population diminishing, and I didn't really understand it. I really didn't care. Right. Um, not that just happy it's uh, diminishing. Uh, yeah, right. Who cares, right? And and finally, I decided in 1982 that I wouldn't spray any more pesticide. Actually, my tractor broke, and I couldn't do it. But <laughs> the, the fact is, is that I, I could have rented a tractor. Well, sure. I could, could have done a hundred other things. Uh, but I said, nah, it's just too much trouble to do it. And we haven't sprayed a pesticide yet since then. Wowza. So I, my big question now is after all these years, what's harder, cows or grape farming? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. Here's the difference. Like I said, cattle business... I never had a day off, right? Yes. Well, when I started farming wine grapes, a little different thing happened. Well, we had vacations. <laughs> I mean, but you can't yeah, take you it. you can't leave. You can't yeah. leave during the summertime, springtime, right. during primetime, right? Right. And so um, we had winter vacations. So my kids and I learned to ski. You took them I, out of the tent? You, you got to remember. <laughs> no, well, they were living out of the tent by then. Um, so in the end, it's all a lot of work, but the winemaking has some perks that well, cattle doesn't. Well, that's the next thing. <laughs> How did I move from grape growing to winemaking? That's another little story. <laughs> Do we have 20 See? minutes? Yeah, got 20, 20 minutes, minutes? <laughs> yeah. Well, in 91, my wife, who is my muse in life, said, you know, if you grow the best grapes in the world, how come you don't make wine? Yeah, pick up the pace. Yeah, <laughs> and and but the thing there is that, and then then she gave me the ultimate challenge, and then she said, "Well, my father did, and he was a doctor." Now, <laughs> now you guys know Throw my down. background around this a little bit. Yeah. It's like slap across the face. <laughs> right. Oh gosh. So we made. I made my first wine as an amateur, but I decided to approach it a little differently, in that I would approach it more as a QA system. Quality assurance. Yeah. My vineyard, how can I improve my vineyard practices to improve winemaking? Right. So you're testing your product that people right. are buying. Right. Yeah. And so I made wine uh, as an amateur for about a little over 10 years. Wow. 
And it's a long time. And you know what happens when you dip your toe in the mud? Pretty soon you got the foot in you the have mud. Say just get deeper and, and then deeper. Eventually you're rolling in the mud. Yeah, yeah. quicksand. <laughs> That's my life exactly. Nowadays rolling I'm rolling in the, mud. in the mud. Rolling in the mud. <laughs> and so, uh, in 2005 we opened our uh, bonded winery at, on site there, and we continued on on our merry march. Well, and then what year was it that you built the cave? Oh, the cave happened in 2014. Is that video still on your website? Or? It is. People should definitely um, check out that the video that's on the website because it was you used culverts, right? Pre- right. So tell me, if um, are you reservation only at this point, or do you take walk-ins? If people uh, no, come we to take visit? walk-ins during the week. Okay, um, but we like for, we like reservations, um, you know, on uh, about any time. But but you can walk in during the week on Fridays and Saturdays. We we will like reservations. Um, the deal with that is is we want to spend time with you right when you come, and you know. It's important to me to be able to take people out of the old vineyard. Mm-hmm. It's a precious spot. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of history mm-hmm. that, you know, it's narrow horse vineyard. And uh, it's it's pretty cool to walk out there and see what the kind of things that we've done to both preserve it, mm-hmm. but also to see what it's like. I think uh, most of the wineries in the area are kind of moving to that model. They'd all, you know, like reservations any day of the week. Um, but during the weekday, walk-ins generally are not a problem. But on the weekends, most of the wineries are busy enough that if you, you know, if there's someone like if you definitely want to meet Jim and you definitely want to go to to Jay Ricard's winery on a Saturday, um, it's your best interest to make that as a reservation. You yeah, don't want to miss yeah, out on the places yeah. you really want to see. Yeah, absolutely. Because like I said, and and expect to st- spend an hour and a half to two hours. Because we got a lot of stuff to see, and yeah, and it, yeah that's just like four questions, and you. That's right. That's right. Four questions. Yeah, rule number three really does apply in this case. But it's it's cool walking out in the old vineyard. It's cool walking through the 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 wine cave and and other spots and things. Oh yeah, that's. I love going up there. I feel like I'm in another world. It's super cool. The cave is cool, but the view is cool. Um, those giant whatever those. Uh, Succulents are, I don't know, but you can see them from the highway. They're oh, cool. <laughs> oh, those. Those are agave. Yeah, agave. agave. They're, yeah. They're those huge. are my, one of my, one of my crew, um, uh, Jorge, I brought those seeds from his home in Moscow. From seeds? Those were grown from seeds? Oh my no, gosh. No, he propagated them. But, but I mean, yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, those are from, and those are, those are with, Maybe someday we'll make tequila. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, you can't see them from the highway. That would be cool. cool. So, what's the best way if I'm coming to visit, or our listeners are coming through the website? And how do they make an appointment? Is it best to call, or? Um, yeah, it's best to call the tasting room, and we'll put you on the list. And that's really the best way. Um, email works fine. Okay, so I'll put that um, in all the show you know, notes. Too. If you if you like to come and have a little lunch, we have uh, picnic tables and things. We, nice. We like people. Again, it's not about seeing how many wineries you can right. visit in a day. 
you know, like I said, expect to spend hour and a half to two hours. It's quality uh, time, not quantities. Take your time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I think that's it's great people, advice. Uh, I think people used to try to go to, you know, five or six, seven wineries in a day, but you would just walk in, stand at the bar, taste your wine and move on. But now if you're going to sit down and relax, maybe get a little tour, go out in the vineyards, or if there's a garden that you're going to tour, you know, we tell people plan on three and, you know, take your time. And enjoy each experience instead of rushing through, you know. Right. I mean, if, you, if you're going to be here uh, right. more than one day, I mean, yeah. it, it makes perfectly good sense right. to do that. But there's so much stuff to learn. I mean, winemaking, grape growing, you know, we talk about all those kind of things. And, you know, you just can't do it in a, in a, in a, in a voice clip or whatever. Right. No. Call it. 15 minutes. No, spend the time. No, especially me, you know. That's <laughs> the deal, you know. <laughs> Okay, so I think we're going to wrap up, but I do want to mention one thing before we go, and that is um, the Passport to Dry Creek, which is not a wine road event, but it's definitely something we super want to support. Um, so it's the wineries out in Dry Creek Valley. It's coming up April 29th and 30th. And for details or for tickets, or all the info you need, you can go to drycreekvalley.org. Okay, .org, or you're not going to find it. <laughs> okay. And then just click on the passport link. So you should definitely check that out from the wine growers of Dry Creek. And right. Well, I'll put that in the show notes as well. And I want to thank Jim for bringing this beautiful wine. It's a pleasure to hear your stories. And I think, you know, I when I envision hearing you, I hear Masterclass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you can have one once a week on and Facebook. And you can come have it no. with Jim at the it, winery. It's the rule. The rule is, remember the rules. Yes. The rule is in our place, never ask Jim a question <laughs> unless you're expecting a 20-minute answer. Yes, I get it. Anyways, thank you so much. We'll this see you great. on the, the wine pleasure road. pleasure being here. You betcha. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.